And I'm just going to be reading a a couple of verses from the uh, New Revised Standard Version. But just to give you the context, this is in the story of Elijah, when uh, Elijah is fleeing um, to Horab, and uh, an angel has met him and uh, taken him to this cave where Elijah is hiding, uh, frightened for his life as he's fleeing from Jezebel. And we pick the story up as the Lord appears to Elijah. He said, go out and stand on the mountain before the Lord. The Lord is about to pass by. Now there was a great wind, so strong that it was splitting mountains and breaking rocks in pieces before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind. After the wind, an earthquake. But the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake, a fire. But the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire, a sound of sheer silence. When Elijah heard it, he wrapped his face in his mantle and went out and stood at the entrance of the cave. Then there came a voice to him that said, What are you doing here, Elijah? Let's pray together. Father God, we thank you for your word. And we thank you that you speak to us in your word. We thank you that we can still meet you. We thank you that you bless us with your presence. And even on days like this, on days of remembrance, where we remember terrible things that have happened, we do so in the presence of a loving and peaceful God. So we pray this morning that you might speak to us in the quietness, in the still, and in the silence. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So you may have already uh, picked up that uh, as I was thinking about Remembrance Day and what to say, to say I was caught up with this idea that uh, uh, Remembrance Day is, is very much about this, uh, this two-minute silence. And uh, myself and Gary we felt the pressure of that two-minute silence, trying to get it as near to uh, 11 o'clock as we possibly could. But uh, we do uh, want to uh, recognise in, in that silence that it's an opportunity uh, to remember the sacrifice of those people uh, who lost their lives and gave their lives in war. But it seems to me that, uh, that silence is something that we don't have the opportunity very often to share. Um, the uh, two-minute silence was, it was first came about on the 11th hour, the 11th day, the 11th month in 1918. The Great War ended. And the first Remembrance Day was held in 1919 to commemorate the end of the war. King George V initiated a two-minute silence to remember those who had given their lives. Originally, this day was known as Armistice Day. Uh, but we live in a, in a world uh, that we're often surrounded by noise all the time, aren't we? In fact, if anything, we're quite uncomfortable with, with the idea of silence. Uh, we don't like to be too far from our mobile phones and they're, they're always going off and, uh, and very often breaking the silence. 
we, we go and, and have a coffee or a meal and, and whoever uh, owns the place has decided that it would be good to have music playing while we're there and very often you can't hear one another speak because of the, 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 uh, the volume of the music. And even when we are at home and on our own, very often when we want to get away, we still uh, surround ourselves. We perhaps play music or have the, the, the radio on or the television on. Uh, and so this idea of, of silence is quite strange. And have you noticed now that, that uh, especially at, at football grounds, when they're, they're, when they're having acts of remembrance, maybe some famous footballer or manager has passed away, they've replaced that minute silence now with a minute of applause. Have you noticed that? That's a growing trend. That's now a minute of applause rather than silence. As if we can't bear to be quiet even for a moment. And so I wanted us to, to think about silence because I think silence is the true language of Remembrance Day. Silence is the true language of Remembrance Day. And there's different kinds of silence, isn't there? There's different kinds of silence. And I want us to think about the sound of silence. Uh, there's an awkward silence when uh, we don't feel comfortable. Where the conversation stops and it's kind of uncomfortable. We don't know what to say. And it's not that sort of silence that I want to think about this morning. There's also a, a kind of stony silence, isn't there? He's not speaking to me or she's not speaking to me. And uh, this is almost a kind of hostile silence, which is almost an expression of, of irreconcilable hostility. Uh, such silence is almost a form of shouting. And it's often the prelude to violence. You know, when the talking and the negotiations fail, the guns and bombs begin to make their noise. But there's another sort of silence. And this is a silence that speaks when words cannot. It's a calm and mutual silence. It's a silence in recognition of the thing that matters is, is so much more than we can say that we might as well honour whatever it is we're remembering by closing our mouths. And the silence of Remembrance Sunday is this sort of silence. It's a recognition that in order to do justice to what has happened, to do justice to the cost of war, its sacrifice and its shame, that we do not need to tell another story, we do not need to sing another song, rather we need to be silent together to recognise that sometimes the most important thing we can do is hold our tongues. Have you noticed if you've ever spoken with war veterans, the important thing is not the war stories that they tell, but the war stories that they don't tell and never will tell. The unspeakables, the experiences that can't or shouldn't be told. And so, the sound of silence. Silence speaks when words cannot. And we hear the sound of silence in the Bible. We hear the sound of silence in the Psalms. The psalmist, we've already read this passage, be still. In other words, stop and be quiet. And then you will know that I am God. For God alone, O oh my soul, waits in silence. My hope is from him. 
So we hear the sound of silence in the Psalms. We also hear the sound of silence in the story of Elijah, in that passage that we read earlier, after the wind and the earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. After the earthquake, a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire, a sound of sheer silence. A sound of sheer silence. And when Elijah heard it, he wrapped his face in his mantle and went out and stood at the entrance of the cave. And it was in that moment of silence that he recognized that God was there. I'm going to stop speaking now and let somebody else speak. And I will warn you that in this video clip, I will give a warning, there is some silence. Is it possible that you've been searching for God in the winds, in the earthquake and in the fire when God is wanting to speak to you in the silence? So we hear the sound of silence in the story of Elijah. We discover that God is in the sound of sheer Silence. And we also hear the sound of silence in the story of Jesus. We hear the sound of silence in the story of Jesus. Very early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up, left the house, and went off to a solitary place where he prayed. This was part of Jesus' natural routine to find those places of solitude and quietness where he could be silent with God. And in the story of Jesus, as Jesus goes through and enters into the passion, when he's in the garden of Gethsemane, knowing what is lying before him, again Jesus went with them to the olive grove called Gethsemane. And he said, sit here while I go over there to pray. And then during Jesus' trial, when he was asked, what is this testimony that men are bringing against you? Jesus Remained silent. Jesus breaks that cycle of hostility and violence that's repeated. One group of people are violent to one group of people and they are violent back. And Jesus refuses to enter into that cycle of violence and accepts the violence in silence. Sound of silence. Do we need to hear the sound of silence in our story? Do we need to hear from God? Or are there so many other voices, so much noise, that God's voice is drowned out? Of course, for some people, the sound of silence will remind you of a song that was sung in the 60s by Simon and Art Garfunkel. And uh, somebody's very cleverly taken that song and uh, reproduced it. They don't sing it as well and the sound's not quite as good. But they put that song to the story of the end of Jesus' life. And I want to finish with, uh, with that song and just let us reflect on the sound of silence.